to another episode of Alexify, the place for fashion podcast. On this week's episode, we have two super amazing guests who own a sustainable company website. They'll tell us all about it, Shop Zero. So welcome, guys. How are you doing? We're so excited. Thank you for having us. So, yeah, thank you for having us so on. glad to hear that. Oh my God, of course. Thank you for coming on. So right off the bat, can you tell us a little bit about both of you and what started your individual sustainable journeys? Yeah, of course. Ellie, do you want to start? Yeah. So Bridget and I, we met at the University of Southern California. We happened to be in the same sorority and we became really good friends after we both entered Kappa. And yeah, so I guess for myself, sustainability has always been like an inclination towards me growing up, whether that's like nature and animals or just like the overall environment. I like was always drawn towards being helpful towards the environment versus any other thing. So yeah, I I feel like living in Florida, I was always surrounded by whether that be like the ocean or like I had chickens growing up in my backyard. So sustainability has always been surrounding by me. And I always loved fashion. My aunt was a celebrity stylist in Los Angeles. And I always looked up to her. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And just in general, I thought it was amazing how you can express yourself just by choosing your outfit in the morning. And so fashion and sustainability have always been things that I've been super passionate about growing up. Well, yeah. Bridget. And then my background, I'm from a small town in Northern California called Half Moon Bay. That is a very tiny community, just really centered on the beach and everything. So I grew up with parents that I would never be inside watching TV. All my activities were like going down to the tide pool. So everything in my life was always centered around the natural world. And then growing up, that kind of morphed itself into my education in college. And I started working more so doing environmental work. So I did like plastic research at Nat Geo. And eventually worked for an environmental law firm. But it was actually right before the pandemic hit, I was living in South Africa and I was studying at the University of Cape Town Sustainable Development. And while I was there, I met this woman who had a clothing line that was all made out of hemp and organic cotton. And I just absolutely loved chatting her up. And she was my first introduction into sustainability in the fashion industry. And so then, like what Ellie mentioned, we met at USC. And USC is an amazing school, but very unique in where it's located, the people it attracts. And it's definitely very consumer facing it's a school that there's a lot of consumption taking place so I think that also going to USC opened my eyes to this is a serious immediate issue fashion is really terrible it's around me I'm watching people consume in such an extreme way and so Ellie actually initially came up with the idea of shop zero and she brought it up and I remember hearing her speak about it just throughout college and passing each other and so then once I had to come home from Africa during the pandemic I felt like I was going to go crazy I need an activity And then I contacted Ellie to see, is this something that you're still working on? And that's how we got morphed together. Yeah. And Zero launched in February of 2022, but it was an idea that we started working on three years prior. And so I was in college at the time. And during the summers, I would always intern at different fashion companies. And I, after working and interning at these fashion companies, I just felt so unfulfilled. I felt like there wasn't really a meaningful purpose to what I was doing. And then on top of that, I quickly realized how detrimental fashion is on the environment, which was extremely saddening to me. 
And it just popped into my head one day as I wanted to shop more sustainably, but didn't know how to. And I called my mom up on campus and I was like, mom, I have the best idea ever. And Bridget immediately popped into my head because every, her experience has been in the environmental space. And so when I brought it to her, she was just like, done deal. Let's get it going. And, and we immediately just aligned in everything that we felt towards this company. Wow. Oh my Wait, gosh. It's actually crazy too. Cause I think about it and I remember when you got, so Ellie got her dream fashion internship the same summer I got my dream environmental internship. And I remember Ellie interviewing for and we're all like, Oh my God, you're going to get it. You're going to get it. And then she got it. And then I remember vividly later in that summer, you and I touching base Ellie and you just seem holy yeah. hell, this is not what I imagined this yeah. would look like. Uh-huh. This is not ideal. So I yeah, think because- it's really cool too, that like all of this came from an experience of you working in the fashion industry and being like, I need more out of this industry. This is not giving me enough. Yeah, so true. It's like I had this like vision of what the fashion industry was. And then it like my world fell apart once I realized it wasn't what I actually thought it was. Yeah, no. And that there are rats in New York. (laughs) Literally. That was like, I I literally, there's pictures of me all throughout my childhood. I'm literally doing a series on it on my Instagram right now where it's like recreating young Lexi's looks. Because I was obsessed with fashion. I was I loved it. It was like my entire existence. I cared more about what I was gonna wear at school than what I was actually learning at school. Um, don't tell my parents that I said that. But it's true. <laughs> and then one day I just I learned about how harmful the fashion industry and I was like heartbroken. I'm like, I can't believe yeah. that this is something that not only I love so much, but so many people love so much. It's something that literally affects us every single day, but it's like literally detrimental to our planet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And It's crazy that, of course, more people know about it now, but we didn't so much growing up and some people still don't know about it. And that's not their fault. It's because it's not marketed as that. It's like, oh, you're sad. Go shopping. It's okay. You'll feel better. It's retail therapy, guys. Mm -hmm. So I definitely feel that. I used to work at a random just chain store around in the East Coast area because I'm originally from the East Coast. And I was like, wait, this is not, y'all are like selling free people. And it's really ironic because the people making the free people clothes are not free. (laughs) They're getting treated like free labor, but they're not getting treated well at all. And I was like, the juxtaposition of the names really killing me here. So it's it's, really funny. Yeah, it's crazy. That's like that's like during Earth Week when everyone wears these graphic tees, being like, "Love your mother," and you're like, "If only you knew how that graphic tee was made, you realize no one's being loved and making that. It's terrible." Don't assume like what you're saying. Like, why would you think that clothing? It's such a long supply chain, and so many people are harmed. It's a shirt that has to be simple to make. So crazy. It's crazy. I I remember that was something I had a really big issue with during the recent Earth Day is that so many of these like big companies were working with um, influencers and being like, oh, let's do an Earth Day campaign. And one, the company itself wasn't sustainable. And two, the influencer wasn't someone who cared about sustainability. So I was like, y'all really just, (laughs) oh my God, it's Earth Day. Let's just act like we don't contribute to all of the pollution and stuff right it's crazy exactly for one treat the environment well yeah so can you tell us you mentioned a little bit about shop zero and how it came to be what it is but can you tell us more about what it is and the process of starting your own company 
Yeah, so Zero is an e-commerce platform for extensively vetted sustainable fashion. As you definitely know, greenwashing is super prevalent in the fashion industry. So brands market themselves as sustainable. And then if you look into their sustainability reports, they have very little backing to their claims. And so that's the entire premise behind Zero is we wanted to create a platform that was trustworthy so that consumers can just go onto our website knowing that everything is environmentally friendly as well as ethically sound. And yeah, it's been quite the journey, but what part a huge part about Zero also is just like this a hundred percent transparency. So being able to go on our website, if you're interested in one of the shirts on our website, you can read about the entire supply chain and production process of that shirt. So we really want to bring back the appreciation for clothing and not just the phenomenon of you purchasing a shirt and then it appearing in your closet and then you can get rid of it. Yeah. And I think just going off of what Ellie said, what's really at the core of what we are doing is there's so many brands now touting sustainability and saying that they are the ultimate, how they're doing everything. Sustainability is at the heart of their mission. So then if you look at it, these said companies aren't backing anything up. So what we're trying to do is really just crack everything open to show this is what it should look like. This is the transparency that should exist. If a company is going to tell you they're sustainable, we expect them to at least do as much as we're doing. Yeah. And then going on top of that, when Bridget and I first were starting Zero and developing our list of criteria for brands to be on our website, we made an entire Excel sheet of over 500 brands and all of these brands on the list claimed to be sustainable. So they had some kind of marketing that mentioned that they were sustainable in some kind of capacity. And out of those 500 plus brands, only 30 met our requirements. So that was very eye-opening to us. And we had to go back to the drawing board and make our requirements even tighter than they were before. Well, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that's insane. That's the reality, though. We all we all think that these companies were shopping from maybe that are sustainable requirements, but then you guys do more research or we do more research as consumers, and we're like, oh, just kidding. They yeah. don't have anything. And it shows you how granular yeah. the issue actually is, because mm-hmm. if five over five hundred brands are marketing themselves in that regard. It's and. Barely, I don't even know the percentage of that, but it's a very low percentage. Yeah. <laughs> We're not and also just so upsetting. Not a mathematician. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so upsetting too, because it just shows how deeply disconnected people are from the issue where a brand thinks that marketing themselves is sustainable is great because they'll get more sales. But you're like, you're, do you realize the reason sustainability needs to be pushed is because we're actually in a climate emergency. Like these things really need to be happening. You can't just speak about them so you can make more sales. It's just so disconnected. And it's really alarming too of being like, who are your marketing people and hopefully your sustainability team that thinks that this is the way we need to solve the problem by forcing people to shop more pieces that they just shouldn't be. Just extremely misleading. Yeah. I remember at Natalia, our mutual friend, who I've been talking about so much lately in my podcast, she's going to listen to my podcast and be like, you're obsessed with me. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. You're not, <laughs> she's not. The best. I'm obsessed with her. Yeah, I, I am as well. Her. No, but at the recent fashion show slash panel where you two spoke about zero, you said something that I think I've also mentioned in my podcast where it was like, you guys are the only company that genuinely don't want your consumers to buy from you. 
Yeah. And I was like, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. At the end of the day, Bridget and I started this company and at the core of this company is trying to change sustainable fashion space and redefine what sustainable fashion is. And it's true at the core Mm -hmm. is our prior us prioritizing like people on the planet and that's how it's always going to remain. So yeah, we joke about that all the time. (laughs) We're like, we want sales, but at the same time. Yeah, we need to figure out how to prove that when someone shops on zero, they're shopping with us as opposed to somewhere else, rather than us in addition to somewhere else. So we're really trying to figure out like, how can we basically quantify if we are a substitute for another platform that's more harmful? Yeah. Interesting. So tell me about these requirements and what your vetting process looks like. Mm-hmm. So basically what we're trying to do is we want to assess the impact of the life cycle all the way from the inception of the piece to the disposal of it. So what we do is we'll meet with a brand and we'll have a very long and extensive vetting interview with them where we'll basically just ask questions that go throughout the entire supply chain. Because what we've been talking about a lot with greenwashing, companies are super focused on scope one and two um, emissions and saying that they're going to reduce those, which are scope one and two emissions are like direct emissions saying, my office where people work use this much electricity stuff like that and it doesn't take into account scope three which has everything to do with your entire supply chain so it's basically companies are just greenwashing and saying that we're fixing our emissions here but what we're trying to do at shop zero is the scope three which is the say 95 percent of a company's emissions we're really trying to focus on that understand not only the environmental impact but then also take into account all the people that work at these different factories and are all throughout the world making the pieces Because what we're really trying to do is ensure that each brand that we're working with, they're focused more so on like carbon insetting and really cleaning out their supply chain and making it as simplified and as clean as possible, rather than working with these kind of larger brands where everything's complicated. So we'll just sit down with a brand. A lot of times what will happen is the founder that we'll meet with, they are extremely passionate about what they're doing. And Ellie and I can instantly tell right off the bat, this is someone that is living up to the claims because they live and breathe sustainability. And so then we'll just really have them walk us through the story of how a piece is made and just make sure that everything checks out with what we're looking to promote. So what I touched on, we take into account people, but for the planet aspect and the environmental aspect, we'll look into the type of fabric made, water used, dyes, everything having to do with that, so that we really have a clear picture of the entire piece. Bridget can talk about our vetting process for probably an hour. (laughs) Yeah. Good. It's, it. such, it's such it's such a large question for us because mm-hmm. our our proprietary requirements is literally our brand um so mm-hmm. being asked that question it's always like how do we put that in a clear and concise way <laughs> that's like digestible versus literally taking them step by step inch by inch like every single thing we yeah do. yeah But in conclusion, what we're really trying to do is just make sure that the brand is as focused on minimizing the impact through their entire supply chain as possible, rather than a brand that's more so trying to like carbon offset or do things like that, that are putting a bandaid on the issue rather than really addressing it. Because we want to get in there, get nitty gritty with the brand and really reorganize the way that they're doing things so that it is as seamless, clean and sustainable as possible. Yeah. And, and we can usually tell pretty soon on when we meet with a brand and the founders of the brand, if 
they look at sustainability with a holistic lens. So really taking into consideration mm -hmm. every little piece of the production process versus someone who's just tells us one little benefit that they have at their company, but don't really think about anything else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think that's, I think it's so great because it can be so daunting when starting a sustainability journey as a consumer or anyone, honestly, whether you're trying to buy clothes or just start being more sustainable in every aspect of your life. It's crazy because there's so many things we, we can't be 100% sustainable and there's so many different places that we can start at. And I think it's so great because you take out, it's always great to do your own research. You take out that middle portion by you guys doing the research for the consumers so that they have an easy way to access more sustainable mm -hmm. brands and just make the whole process a little bit less scary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And mm -hmm. we're always so happy to meet with brands. And if they don't meet part of our requirements, like kind of act as a consulting agency and, and mm -hmm. ex expressing to them why they didn't meet our requirements and how they can for next time. So we really mm -hmm. want to meet everyone where they're at and not place no judgment because it's extremely hard to meet our requirements. We're very aware of that. Um, but mm -hmm. at the end of the day, we have to have these strict requirements because that's really like the entire premise of what zero mm -hmm. is. Yeah, that's it's so great what you guys are doing. I need to go shopping on Zia. <laughs> We're like, yes, no, no, don't shop. Yeah, we're like, yes, yes no. no. <laughs> yeah. So how do you, so talking a little bit more about, you, you told me a little bit about the whole process and, and the environmental part. How do you ensure, is there documents that you have to look at for making sure that the people are accounted for and that they're being treated fairly and paid a living wage? And what are the things that you like look for when it comes to that aspect of it all? Right now, these are all questions that we ask all of our brands, just making sure that like living wages and everything are accounted for. Mm -hmm. Since we are small, it's just Ellie and I right now. Unfortunately, we can't like audit every factory. So the more money that we start making, the bigger the company grows, that's something that we'll definitely do. But right now, it's a matter of asking the brand. And a lot of them work with factories that are certified for different things. So then we'll get a lot of proof sent over to us. And then every brand is just signed on contractually as well to ensure that everything that they're saying they're then signed on to as saying, I fully stand behind. Interesting. But it okay. is very hard, obviously, because when you're working with so many different companies, there's so many different factories all throughout the world. Mm -hmm. Unless you can physically travel around and go to every single factory, you just really are reliant on the brand owner who's gone and checked out themselves. And I think that's also the luxury that we have since the majority of sustainable brands that we endorse are super small, either it's handmade by the founder themselves or the founder has done their proper due diligence and gone and seen everything in person. Yeah. And a, a lot of our brands, their production processes are really local. So they can see mm -hmm. and be like hands-on with the process and see it firsthand. But as we grow, we definitely want to consider auditing and some get on a bigger scale. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. I think it's so great that you like meet with the person too, because even when having like podcasts and Zoom interviews, I can always tell when someone's like super passionate about sustainability and that it's like not something that they thought about after creating the brand. It's something that they yeah. like saw a hole in the market for and wanted to create a brand to focus on this like sustainable niche, whatever. And mm -hmm. so I feel like that's so helpful too, because it's like you can build a connection and really see like the passion behind it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So what are some of the biggest challenges that you guys have faced? Because sustainable fashion, like we've talked about, is such a broad term, hugely broad term. I don't even honestly like the word sustainability. We we talk about that all the time. No, we're trying to, yeah, remove it. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know what other use, like word to use, because I'm like, oh, like eco is so overused and this right. and that. So I'm always just like, yeah. yeah, let's just make a whole new yeah, word. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Give me a second, I'll think of something. But <laughs> what are some of the challenges that you face in that kind of, since it's so broad, but what, and just in making a company in general? Oh, I was just going to say, I think one of the main challenges that we face is when people hear sustainable fashion, if you're not working within the sustainability space, people tend to have this negative connotation that goes with it of thinking it's like very granola clothing. So I think that's one of the main things that we're fighting against is trying to create a platform that's super elevated so that people go on it. And this whole idea of what sustainability looks like and what someone who cares about the environment, how they would dress is reworked through their experience on shopping with zero. So that I would say is like from the sustainability perspective, but from the business perspective, there's definitely a lot of other challenges that we face that we can go into as well, if that would be helpful. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for one, we are young, super young females starting a company in a very clouded space full of greenwashing, but also mm-hmm. with full of huge corporations that we're competing against and trying to take up space in. So that's a huge, <laughs> that's a huge challenge. Yeah. 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 And I feel like that's just the definition of sustainability amongst the like fashion industry. It's like this right. huge billions of dollar making industry. And then there's the little sustainable companies that are trying to make a difference in an industry that is doing well and is not going, we're we're too greedy as people and they're not going to want to change their ways to save our planet, which is heartbreaking to me. (laughs) How do you educate your customers about the importance of sustainable fashion And what are some of the most effective ways that you found to raise awareness on this issue? This is actually a topic that we've been thinking about so thoroughly the past couple of weeks is we're really like building up the idea of what is our brand? What is its personality? What does Zero stand for? Mm -hmm. Because the way I think about it right now is the sustainable fashion industry is like a lost child that needs to be like found by their parents and put in their place and told who they are. Because right now, sustainability is just really thrown out in the industry, but it has no meaning behind it. So that is definitely something that we're focused on right now is that although it is super clouded with people claiming to be sustainable, no one really knows what that means. Like no one knows what sustainable fashion is. That's really where our focus is in educating our consumers is we want to give them the definition, the idea of what a sustainable piece of clothing is and what it looks like that moving forward, they definitely can. And so we found through social media, which Ellie is our social media girl. So she can definitely further explain But that is totally how we're trying to capture people right now is just through a storytelling element that really like breaks open this idea of what is sustainable fashion. Yeah. And I think going off of that, like one of the most effective ways that we found to raise awareness um, about the detriment of sustainable, uh, about the de- detriment of fashion in general is just kind of consumers stumbling upon zero just strictly because there are really fashion forward pieces on our website and they genuinely love the Mm -hmm. fashion and then once they get onto our website like slowly peeling back the layers and the educational aspects of our website so whether that's like 
the description of the production process, or we have a bunch of um, pages about us and about the fashion industry in general. We found that to be the most um, effective way is to just reel people in through the um, curation of our website and then sneaking in all of the educational aspects. It's yeah, so and I think that's a really good point. Go ahead. Please go. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, that's a really good point that Ellie makes as well, because we get, obviously, any brand working in the environmental sustainability space, you get so much clock back from random, like, social media trolls. But something that we've received is a lot of people talking about, like, the pricing of a sustainable piece of fashion, something like that. But what Ellie is speaking on is really important to us, because we're not trying to necessarily just directly capture someone who's already tuned into sustainable fashion. We've identified that the issue actually lies in consumers that don't give a rat's ass about sustainable fashion. So that's what we're really trying to do is just give this platform that someone who likes to shop high fashion, likes to dress a certain way, comes on our website just because they want to shop. And then while they're there, they see the story, the details, everything that goes into it. And this little bug starts living in their head of whenever they go to shop, they're like, interesting, because now I know that a shirt doesn't just end up in my closet. Now mm -hmm. I know that there's a life to it. But that's something that we're super focused on is converting people who don't have an interest in it. And then all of a sudden, they're more aware of sustainable fashion. Yeah. And going off of what Bridget was mentioning before, we do love focusing on storytelling versus I feel like a lot of the times sustainable brands focus on this doomsday narrative. So it's the this dark way of looking at sustainability and just the world is ending and blah, blah, blah. And those things are definitely occurring, but definitely it's a fact. Yeah, <laughs> definitely happening. Very but I feel like it almost it almost scares people away versus reeling them in. We're, maybe we're like huge manipulators, but I think that's like the best way to go about it, honestly. Manipulate. It's okay, that's what marketing yeah. is. It's just manipulation. Yeah. <laughs> manipulate in an honest way. We're promoting is good. Yeah, yeah. Totally. manipulate in an honest way. Not manipulate in like brainwash. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but that's, it's so interesting that you mentioned that because the company I was talking about earlier that I work for, they have, once you sign up for their emails, the first email you get is about talking about the founder and then the second email you get is talking about the bags or something and then the third one you get is talking about sustainability and I always was like why mm -hmm. is that the order because personally for me I'm like if I'm looking for a brand I just want it to be sustainable that's like the only thing that I look for right. obviously yes it's cute and stuff but if it's not sustainable, I'm not going to shop there no matter how cute the items are. And I asked her about it and she was like, you might be that way. And a lot of Gen yeah. Z might be that way, but a lot of the fashion industry and a lot of consumers aren't that way. Right. And so it's always, yeah. like you said, like we, we suck them in because they like our product. And then we mention, oh, by the way, did you know this and that, mm -hmm. and then educate them on how that's sustainable. And I think that's so interesting because I never thought of it like that. I was always like, oh, don't, doesn't everyone want sustainability? And then I was like, oh, wait, just kidding. One day or mm -hmm. not one day, but in the past, I used to not care about sustainability. So if I saw a company doing that, I would have been like, oh, that's actually interesting. I had no idea that was the case. And I feel like it's like a really interesting way of educating consumers by just having them like support a company and like their staff. So it's very cool that totally. you do. So we mentioned a little bit about 
this kind of misconception around sustainability and how a lot of people think that it means that you're wearing something out of dirt or grass or whatever. And while that can totally be the case, how do you, you know, balance? Cause it's not always the, the case. A lot of the time sustainability is these amazing, adorable things, but how do you kind of balance trends and being super fashionable and stylish with sustainability? Because a lot of the times people can see that as like a juxtaposition. Definitely. I think one of the main things that comes to mind with this question is prints. Ellie and I do not have any crazy prints or things on the website that you know will just go out of season Mm. in a couple of weeks. So we're very focused on ensuring that what's curated on our platform, it is pieces that won't go out of style that can be worn for a long time. Mm. That is definitely a focus of ours because at the end of the day, if the shirt is made with the most clean supply chain you've ever seen, but then it gets thrown away within a month, that does no, mm-hmm. nothing to better our agenda. So we're really focused on making sure that pieces are something that can definitely be held onto for a long time and that the quality of the piece is super high quality so that the piece can last a long time too. Because longevity is so important in sustainability and is not spoken about a lot. Definitely. said. <laughs> I, I have nothing else to say. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's so true. Perfect. <laughs> It could be the most sustainable garment ever, but if you're, if a consumer is throwing it out in a week, it doesn't matter. And I feel like there was during COVID, a lot of those super like seventies fabrics were making comeback. And Mm -hmm. I always get trauma seeing them now. I'm like, Ooh, jump scare. But I always remember the like squiggly, like blue and green pants or something like that. And those were so in for a few months. And then now they're already like on Depop and at Goodwill and stuff like that. And it's just, it's crazy seeing those like huge micro trends become so big and then so small overnight. So yeah. I think we're very right with the patterns because I see some of them now and I'm like, oh God, yeah. I can't believe we wore that. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it's crazy that like fast fashion completely dictates micro trends now because fast, fast fashion is all about planned obsolescence, which basically just means that like pieces are designed to go out of style so that you have to buy more pieces. And so now that there's so many micro trends people going off of things, you're technically just like catering and playing into what fast fashion companies want so that you can do more product from their website, which is very scary to think about that we think we're like trend forecasting and finding things. But at the end of the day, we're not. These fast fashion companies have like insane software in place that can detect any micro trends throughout the internet, instantly mass produce that piece so that people buy it like crazy and then it's gone the next week. Like it's just... It's very scary how what Ellie was saying at the beginning, she got into fashion because it's about like individual expression and showing yourself through style. But now our style is dictated by the companies that want us to shop a certain way so that they can make mm-hmm. XYZ profit. Right. No, definitely. I, I remember when I first started like actually like taking fashion related classes, I was in high school or something. And I remember I learned that trends were made like five years beforehand and that it started off by people going to markets and picking up a fabric and seeing a lot of a certain fabric and then taking that and like building it down into a garment and then eventually five years later we would see it hit the store and I feel like that's maybe the case for some trends and stuff like that but now it's just like trends are made so quickly it doesn't matter if it could be because Daisy Jones and the Six got released as a TV show. Now everyone's mm-hmm. wearing 70s fashion, even though 70s fashion has literally been in since the 70s. Um, <laughs> yeah. But... I... Sorry. Oh, you're fine. 
I was just gonna say it's just crazy how like fast and I feel like it's not it's not as much as a thought of a thought process anymore it's just oh I see this let's make something for it right yeah Mm -hmm. I feel like fashion has become this kind of like spectacle or entertainment form versus anything else like in in our age so in the age of social media I feel like everyone just posts a picture in this crazy outfit and then once they wear it once then it's disposable immediately so I feel like we have to just rethink our relationship with fashion nowadays because with social media no one wants to wear the same outfit twice and they just want a a fire Instagram pic I know so crazy so crazy to think about and then what you guys are saying then people buy these outlandish outfits but you have a photo and then you look at the photo like a month later and you're like I wore that that is terrifying that I thought that was cute Oh, and I definitely used to do that too. <laughs> Guilty as well. Oh, I'm cringing. Guilty. Um, I wear a white t-shirt and jeans. Call it a day. Yeah. Oh my God. That's, I literally only wear a white t-shirt and jeans now. Cause I'm like, nope. You'd if be it's better warm, off. I'll wear shorts. If not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just, it's crazy. And I think that I'm, I'm liking, there's some like TikTok uh, sounds that will come up every now and then. And they're like, um, it's like the Lizzie McGuire one that's Lizzie McGuire you're an outfit repeater and I'm like I love that one because people I love that one like gladly be outfit repeating and I always am like no I wore this yesterday and guess what I'm gonna wear it again today because I went to and I liked the outfit and right. um, I think it's great seeing I actually the Met happened recently and while that is not very sustainable at all, um, there were a lot of reworn pieces and vintage pieces being showcased. And I think it's so important that we're seeing it on such a grand scheme of things like mm-hmm. galas and the Oscars and stuff like that. I work for a company called Red Carpet Green Dress and they yeah. released a sustainable style guide. And it's talking about all these different ways that you can be sustainable for these huge events because it's such like a um, stigma that you can again only wear something once especially on Mm -hmm. the grand scheme of things of something like the Oscars or Grammys or whatever and so I'm loving seeing that like some celebrities and stuff will rewear pieces because I think it's if you see Billie Eilish wearing something and you're a huge Billie Eilish fan you're gonna maybe do something because she did it because you love it so. so true and mm-hmm. wait can I ask you a question what do you do for green carpet red dress is that what it's called yeah red carpet green dress it's so close <laughs> my parents do the same thing every time oh um, God, so I'm so. their social media executive and but I'm also working on PR now I don't know I'm literally right in this exact moment making a role change to take on a little bit more of a role I'm very excited but we I love red carpet green dress we do some really cool things and we, for the recent Oscars, who did we do? We dressed Zoe Saldana and then Bailey Bass, who are both in the Avatar movie. Yeah. Our founders, Susie Amos Cameron, who's married to James Cameron, who obviously made. Zoe Saldana looked so good. So She's the best. Yeah. She, I, I've met her before and I was literally like, she walked into the room and I was like, oh. Yeah. Like she's stunning. Um, And then she's even more stunning when she's wearing something that was sustainable. But 
it's such such well, a maybe we can collab with you guys one time oh my god yes just let me know yeah we'll, we'll talk about that off we'll the talk about it yeah they're so great and they're doing a lot of things we recently released a free educational series with fashion takes action so that like those boring videos we used to watch in elementary school about random stuff that no one paid attention to we made an actually interesting one about sustainable fashion so that kids in elementary school and middle school can learn about this at a young age which I think is just so great anyways enough about them <laughs> I could talk about them for like hours I love them but so can you speak on the role of technology in sustainable fashion and how is Euro is like leveraging technology to create a more sustainable place? Does, does, I don't know, I feel like there's such a obviously increase of technology in all of our lives and especially in, in different industries and stuff. Yeah, so right now we're definitely at a place where we're like gearing up to be more technology advanced currently I think one of the cool ways that we've really utilized technology is we actually have this if you've been to the home page of our website we have this really cool video that was made from this woman who's done a lot of work with Facebook and it was just like creating this alternate reality and so the video really depicts like a natural scene if biodiversity and the environment and everything is completely preserved so that's something that we've really been like focusing on is what we were speaking on earlier the storytelling aspect really selling people into the vision of what is possible as opposed to scaring people away from what the current reality is. And then going off of that, we definitely have a lot of ideas in the future of how we want to incorporate more technology into what we're doing. There's a ton of cool companies right now who are building things out like a virtual try on room because obviously returns are such an issue and the emissions and everything from returns. There's a lot of cool things that we're looking to implement in the future, but right now definitely not as advanced and using as many tools as we can because we're just super focused on making sure that our like vetting and everything is as honed in as possible before we really start expanding and adding more elements to it. Mm -hmm. I love that. I feel like it makes it very personal that it's not super technological, OE heavy all mm -hmm. the time, um, but that there are definitely aspects like the virtual trial room, which I didn't even think about when I asked that question, but that yeah. is so true because returns are such a big problem someone was saying mm -hmm. that they like bought a bunch of I, I hate when people say that they like buy a bunch of things and return it and I'm like I know that you're not trying to like have a bunch of things that you're not actually going to wear that's good yes but I'm like do you realize that the return is not not very sustainable I feel like oh my god totally and there's this <laughs> oh I was gonna say I feel like when I'm watching TikTok and I'm seeing all of these like shopping hauls I feel like they don't even keep the clothing. I feel like they literally order them just to make the video mm -hmm. and just to create entertainment and content. And then they just return it. Because there's no way that they're buying all these clothes. <laughs> there's just no way. So true. I also think it's just like the psychology of consumption. Something happens and then someone feels a motivation to that they get the thrill of it arriving. Be it someone like had a bad day, is going on a first date, feels self-conscious, whatever the reason is people just, I feel like shops that they feel a high after. And so they end up with all this clothing and stuff. And do you actually want this? Are you going to wear it? Or did you literally just do this so that you have a package come to your door tomorrow and you feel excitement when you get to open it? Mm -hmm. It's so funny because that's definitely something I feel like I've realized about myself and my sustainable journey is like, when I have an event coming up, it's not, oh, I need to buy something new. I don't, mm -hmm. I, I'd never think that, honestly. I have my boyfriend's graduation coming up and I was looking at this clothing rack and I was just staring and I was like, 
which one of these should I wear? And it wasn't even until we were talking just now that I was like, oh, that's so great that I didn't think, oh, I have to buy something new. And I can't remember the last time I've thought of something like that. And even if I do have a specific event and I want something new, I feel like I always go with renting options mm-hmm. rather than like buying something new because I'm like, I don't need an insanely like snazzy dress that I'm going to wear once. Might as well rent it and then have someone else have the opportunity to wear it again. Amazing. Exactly. I literally caught myself like a month ago. I was about to go on a date and I mm-hmm. found myself for two hours freaking out about what I should wear being like oh my god where should I go buy something and I was like well Bridget like this is literally what you work on like to combat this exact issue like what is actually going on that you feel like you need to buy something so that you feel comfortable going here like maybe wow. girlfriend we need to slow down and really think about it mm-hmm. but it's so crazy how things do sneak up on you and shopping just feels like this tools in a way like a quick fix mm-hmm. and just it's really not yeah, yeah, it's become like se- second nature. Mm-hmm. You you actually have to rewire your mindset. It's no, insane. completely. Mm-hmm. It yeah. is. It's it's crazy, but at least we're taking the steps. And I think that's the crazy thing is like sustainability is so big. Like I don't even think about the fact that maybe buying something new isn't sustainable because it's right. such a broad term. Like I I need a more. I looked mm-hmm. up for one of my classes or something, we have to, it's the most tedious homework assignment ever. And I resent it every single week it comes around, but every single week we have to like find a new term in our textbook and define it. And the first week I did sustainability. because I was like, this is, I do this all the time. I should be able to define it. And then I was like, wait, I actually can't. What the hell is the definition of this word? I don't know. So it's such a broad term. And it's like those things that we're like, wait, this actually isn't sustainable. And this is something that all of us practice. And then we're like, wait, why are we doing this? But I'm like, it's because it's such a broad term. We don't know what to do with it. I know. And it's so weird because sustainability makes sense when it's not connected to fashion. Like sustainability on its own, the definition suits itself or it's like meeting the needs of current generations without jeopardizing the needs of the future. I'm like, okay, got it. Understand. But then when it comes to fashion, like how can selling more product trying to extract more natural resources and push this to other people how does that preserve future generations in any way shape or form so that's where it creates this really interesting where it's like sustainable fashion is the buzzword used to try to explain and illustrate that a piece is made better than an alternative but at the same time it's just not sustainable at all what is the terminology that needs to be used to get this across and cut through the clouded sustainability industry while also acknowledging like anything we're making isn't actually sustainable it's just a great alternative to other pieces yeah I don't know I don't know what the definition is we need a new word we'll, we'll get right to- we need a new word we'll, we'll get there later. that's yeah we'll brainstorm <laughs> that's for tomorrow yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> something I'll deal with a little later so a big complaint with the sustainable fashion industry is that it's not always size inclusive. Is this something that Zero focuses on? And what, what is your guys' approach to size inclusivity? Yeah, inclusivity is really important to us within all aspects. Definitely where it gets a little tricky is that the majority of our brands are super small. So they have small budgets. It's harder for them to have a vast range of sizing. Therefore, like some of our brands have a really great range of sizing and others don't have as great as a range of sizing. So we think that over the years, as sustainable fashion is continuing to grow and evolve, we think that there's going to be so many 
more brands that have a vaster range, especially because there's going to be more demand for these brands. But yeah, we, we try our best when it comes to inclusive sizing. We want a super vast range. It's not necessarily in the cards for all of our brands right now, but it's definitely something we take mm-hmm. into account. Yeah. And I think something that's also super exciting for us is that as zero grows, we're able to bring more exposure to these brands, which means they make more money, they get more sales. And obviously the more sales the brand's getting, the more it can expand. So it's really exciting for us to like when we're doing our growth plan and looking at a year, two years, three years, where do we want to be? It's also, we want to be X amount of each brand sales, which then enables this brand to have this much more opportunity. So obviously the more money you make, the more product you can make. And so that really allows size inclusivity to come into play. Yeah. And I will say a lot of our brands, because they're small, they have made to order pieces. So if there's not, if your size isn't Mm -hmm. in the size range presented, our brands still work with our customers sometimes and create those sizes because they're so small. So it's nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. That was, I was going to yeah mention that. Yeah. I feel like, yeah. like with Natalia, like a lot of hers, I've worked with her in the past for your fashion week and stuff. And she's always, oh, what are your measurements? And I'm like, oh, this is so great. Because it's yeah. like, that's also, it's great because you know that you're being supported by the brand that you're shopping from. But on top of that, it's, I feel mm-hmm. like the day that's more sustainable because you're having a item that's geared towards your exact measurements and it's going to yep. last you like longer than something that has like just completely random sizing so true um, totally yeah so before we wrap up can you guys tell us about what maybe some of your goals or what you're excited for in the future whether it's in sustainability as a whole or with zero oh my god we're at I a have point so where many. we're just like freaking stoked like we're so stoked right now we just brought on this woman who has had a very extensive career in marketing with a consumer facing company for a long time and she just joined on to zero and so we are basically just reworking everything building it out so we're really focusing on like our consumer groups who exactly is the person that needs to be introduced to sustainable fashion what does our tone need to be what does our platform need to look like so we're really basically like reinventing what shop zero is and then we're super confident in the growth that we're going to see in the upcoming years which is to us the most exciting thing because the more people that we know our platform touches the larger of an impact we know that we'll have that's my take ellie i'm super excited to build a community around zero with like very like-minded individuals such as yourself lexi and just like meeting meeting our customers picking their brain about what they like what they don't like And then also I'm excited to expand into different verticals. So like skincare and beauty, I think that will be really fun, but just scaling as a whole. And then through that, furthering our impact, I'm very excited. And I'm so excited to be working with Bridget. She's the best person to work with. Yeah. Oh my God. Likewise. (laughs) Yeah. It's. it's, Oh, sorry. (laughs) Yeah. I was just going to say, it's a very exciting time for us. It's all uh, Mm -hmm. moving forward. We can see the light at the end of the tunnel, which is nice. I feel like when you're first starting a company, it's just you're doing things and you don't even know if it's going to work out. But now we have a clear path and a clear agenda. It's exciting. Yeah. It's actually insane, Ellie, to think of like when we first started, when we did not have a website or anything, we'd be reaching out to brands and like sending all these emails and it's just, there's no visual of what we're actually creating. So it was just a constant like day in, day out of having right. to check in and be like, okay, like we're getting closer. Let's keep going. Now yeah. that we actually have a website live and get press and stuff like that, it's really insane 
to try to understand and actually have it sink into my mind that we've started a company that's like really making an impact. Yeah. That's so great. And congratulations on like legitimately everything you guys are doing. You guys are powerhouses in the sustainable fashion industry. And I cannot wait to see what happens next. I feel like we could probably talk for 20 more hours about sustainability as a whole and then sustainability of shop zero because as we mentioned a billion times, it's such a broad term and there's so many different aspects that we could get into. Not only that, I could talk to the two of you about literally anything for the next 20 hours, Yeah, but no one wants to listen to us for that long as much as I would think in my brain that they do. So <laughs> where can people find Zero and you two on social to stay tuned? You can find Zero on Instagram and on TikTok at Shop Zero Official. The O in Zero is the same as the O in Official. And you can find Bridget and I also on Instagram. Mine is at Ellie Consker and Bridget. You know what? I was deleted from my Instagram. I got locked out of my account. So <laughs> I am not, you're not able to find me on the internet. <laughs> no, you can find her on LinkedIn, her favorite social media. LinkedIn. Yeah. LinkedIn is my favorite form of social media though. So feel free to find me on LinkedIn. Everyone check them out on social. And while you're at it, you can check out me. My socials for the most part are all under my name, Lexi Silverstein. That's L-E-X-Y. So if you like the colors, S-T-E-I-N. And remember to make sure you